Welcome to this podcast mini-series where we delve into the world of psychiatry. We unpack the mental health journeys of individuals who have psychiatric diagnoses and meet with medical practitioners to discuss the ins and outs of the kinds of mental health presentations you're likely to encounter on the wards. This educational resource is aimed at medical students and junior doctors who are wanting to brush up, broaden, or even just solidify their knowledge of psychiatry basics. The podcast seeks to reduce the stigma around mental health and to humanise the challenges experienced by those who live with mental health conditions. This podcast was developed by Catherine Crawford as part of an MD professional project aimed at improving medical student education. In today's episode, we meet Beck, a young woman with a past history of anorexia nervosa. We touch on the DSM-5 diagnostic criteria, and I would encourage you to revisit this framework. We talk about the setbacks that her disorder has contributed to and explore her driving motivations for recovery. Now, broadly speaking, there are a couple of requirements to meet a diagnosis of anorexia nervosa. Firstly, there needs to be a restriction of energy intake relative to body requirements, leading to a significantly low body weight in the context of age, sex, developmental trajectory, and physical health. Secondly, there needs to be an intense fear of gaining weight or of becoming fat or otherwise persistent behavior that interferes with weight gain, even though at a significantly low weight. There also needs to be a disturbance in the way in which one's body weight or shape is experienced, some undue influence of body weight or shape on self-evaluation or persistent lack of recognition of the seriousness of the current low body weight. Overall, there are two subtypes based on the patient's activities undertaken in the last three months, and these include restrictive and binge eating or purging types, of which Beck, our patient, fell into the former. Now, there are a number of risks for developing anorexia nervosa, and these are multifactorial, which means there are several. These include biological factors, like a positive family history, psychological factors, like perfectionism or obsessive compulsive disorder, and social factors like teasing or bullying. Unfortunately, the prognosis for anorexia nervosa is poor and it actually has the highest mortality rate for any psychiatric disorder. Theoretically, even if treated, a patient has only a third of a chance for recovery, one third of a chance for partial recovery, and one third will be chronic sufferers. Now, let's meet Beck. Thank you for having me. So I was feeling pretty sad and conscious of what I was eating since primary school. The other girls would like make comments about themselves and I would start to think about the way that I looked, the way that I was, but I never really thought that I had any issue. It would just be all the way that I was thinking about myself, I guess. It wasn't until I went to the doctor in high school to get a pill prescription, the contraceptive pill, and the doctor um, took my observations and told me to go to emergency as I was at a dangerously low weight. So I went and I was admitted for anorexia and diagnosed with anorexia and major depression. I was sad before that for like a very long time. And I saw a psychologist once between primary school and like the end of high school. And she was awful. And I just had a really awful experience with her. Like I didn't say much before. She had said that I was there for an eating disorder and that I was underweight and didn't let me say anything about how I was feeling. And I didn't think that I had an issue with food at the time. So, and then that really turned me off getting help. So I didn't really think of that I had a problem and that she was kind of crazy for jumping to all these conclusions without even having a conversation with me. So going back to the time of diagnosis, how old were you at the time? 18. 
2018. When you went into hospital, um, you mentioned that part of the concern was because of your low BMI. Can you recall at the time how much you weighed or what your BMI was? I weighed 32 and I was 176 centimeters. And did you feel in yourself at the time that you were underweight? It's hard to explain. Like I obviously had low energy and I was resting a lot. Like I wasn't able to work. And, but I still thought that I was enormous looking at myself, mm-hmm. even though like my clothes were literally falling off me. So my parents hadn't said anything either. I guess they didn't know what to say, but they didn't say anything like, you know, you need to eat more. And any anytime that anyone would say a comment about you're thin or you look good or whatever, it would just be like a compliment to the anorexia that you're doing a good job. So it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And then the other, like there's that on one, side and then the other side my best friend in the world was my nan and she was diagnosed with terminal cancer and I remember her saying to me when I was quite young that suicide is the most selfish thing that anyone could ever do to themselves so I never wanted to kill myself but I didn't want to be here so I thought what what could I do that would result the same way without actually doing it and if I stopped eating then I would eventually pass away and it would be just oh because I wasn't eating it wouldn't have been one day I just suddenly died so it almost sounds as though you saw the anorexia as a means to an end that may not have had the guilt attached to it yeah were you deliberately trying to reduce your weight yeah I think it like as I said it was a combination of not wanting to be here but then also having distorted body image from quite a young age because I was quite often taller than the other girls in my year level and then I felt that because I was taller than them I was bigger than them and that I wasn't normal so I always wanted to be small so Mm -hmm. it was like I've had body dysmorphia from quite a young age like early primary school it was a combination of that and wanting to be and I was never big like I I've never been big before, but mm-hmm. I always felt like I was big and overweight. And I'd be like, oh, I just do this, then I'll look like that. So in terms of the methods that you use, was it through restrictive eating? Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit more about how you controlled what you ate? For example, was it calorie counting? Did you restrict certain food groups, for example? Yeah. So I spent a whole year without consuming any sugar. So like when it was, when it like kind of first started, I was like, I'll just cut out all sugar. So to the point where I, if I was making something with, tomato like t- tin tomatoes if they had sugar added to the canned food I wouldn't put it in my cooking kind of thing so I was like obviously that cuts out so many foods because everything has sugar added to it or like has quite a lot of sugar in it so then I was eating kind of like a raw diet and then from there it would just be calorie counting and just basically not eating like I'd eat an apple and have a coffee or something mm-hmm. for a whole day and did you engage in any purging or laxative use or excessive exercise at all no I never did any of that so it was just through restricted dieting yeah would you say at the time that you had a fear of gaining weight yeah and when I was I spent quite a lot of time in hospital and sometimes you'd lose weight even though you're literally in bed sometimes you'd lose weight obviously after not eating for so long your metabolism is probably like going into overdrive after eating again and it would be like it would be like a massive win one week I had actually lost weight and anytime I gained weight it would be like massive anxiety you know panic attack type situation you mentioned before that you've had body dysmorphia from a young age as young as in primary school did you feel as though you had a lack of an awareness of how low your body weight was and the significance of that like I learned about BMI in school and I think having a normal to me having a normal BMI was like oh that's not like I want to have a low BMI I don't know I don't know where that came from but I think I've just I think as well like always having small friends and being so tall from a young age like I'm quite tall and then I had an older cousin who played quite significant part of my life I'd see her once a week and she was maybe I think she's like four years older than me and so she was she would say things like oh my god I'm so big and she'd be smaller than me 
And then I'd kind of get in my head, if she's if she's saying that she's big, then I must be enormous. And I wasn't, and she wasn't. Like, she was probably the same size as me. But she would say these things in front of me, which would make me think that I was massive. You mentioned before that you've had a couple of different hospital admissions in the past. Can you tell me about your experience in terms of what led you to the hospital admission, the treatment that you undertook, and the outcomes of those admissions? So the first one was um, straight after I'd, I'd gone to the doctor that time. Mm-hmm. And that was six weeks. And it was basically, I call it a bed program. So you're basically in a general psych ward. It was in a public hospital. Even though I'm a private patient, there's not, they don't really have, at the time in the hospital, they don't really have any difference between private and public in that sector. Um, and there was six beds. It was a 12 bed psychiatric and six beds were for eating disorders. And they literally didn't tell me anything, what was going on, what the deal was, what I had to eat, anything. They just kind of came in with a jug of cordial, put it next to my bed, left me there, like left me in my room. No one told me anything so I was like not sure what's going on what I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing what's expected of me and then you'd go to the dining room and you'd sit there and you'd have to eat every single thing that was on your tray and I haven't eaten in like years and then all of a sudden I have to eat all this food and they said to me like oh you know you don't have to eat that much in your first week because you might get refeeding syndrome or like I don't know what that is and I have no idea what I'm what's going on I don't even think that I've got an issue so it was Mm. really really hectic for me to be in that position and to be you know no one actually came and spoke to me and there was so many nurses on that ward and I had to basically work out what was going on for myself. It sounds like it was quite an isolating experience for you and given your insight at the time was quite poor. Yeah, and they were kind of like, obviously um, depression and anorexia come very close together. And if you're feeling really shit, then you don't really want to get better. So I was like, I need to focus on the depression. You know, they're basically just saying, yeah, eat this and you're going to get better. And you said you had some other hospital admissions following that initial admission. Can you tell me about whether they were different or not and what the outcomes of those admissions were? When I left after the six weeks, I went back to that same hospital. I'd only had like a two week time out and I just wasn't getting any better. So I went back to that same hospital and obviously going back in and knowing kind of what was going on, it worked better for me the second time. That was at the same hospital, but even then there'd be like med students who would come in, like doctors, and they would ask for your whole story again. And then I like, I reckon I would have said my story to about nine different students and it's not their fault, but I'm like, why aren't they just reading the file and it was really traumatic for me to have to sit there and to say my story so many times and obviously it's good for them to learn but I was like I'm just not in any state to want to say my story so many times so that was like super frustrating and then from there I went to a private hospital which was more or less the same really didn't differ that much from the public ward. You mentioned before that you had comorbid so concurrent depression and that was diagnosed at the same time as your anorexia nervosa. There are often psychiatric conditions or mental health conditions that occur concurrently or in association with eating disorders. So things like anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, other mood disorders and personality disorders. Can you tell me a little bit more about whether you've experienced any of these and if not about your depression? I definitely think I had some anxiety when I was really unwell and I used to be so confident and would love going out with friends and stuff. And then I spent my 19th birthday in hospital and not a single person wished me happy birthday, which is so unlike me like that was so crazy and I just remember thinking that I pushed everyone away and felt so isolated but I also felt like I couldn't go to anything or see anyone so I definitely think I've you know experienced some anxiety and I don't think I have had OCD but people have and like um, psychologists have said to me that quite often an eating disorder is almost like an OCD because you're so obsessed with the way that you're eating the way that you act so like some people that I know who have OCD um, have, have told me how it feels and I can kind of relate with how it feels with me with eating and like 
I've been out of hospital like I was in hospital in 2014 so what's you know nearly seven years and I still like think about every single thing that I put in my mouth even though like I'm like recovered. So have you ever had any complications from either your diagnosis so the anorexia nervosa or from any treatment for example earlier on in our conversation you mentioned refeeding syndrome but there are other complications that can occur from anorexia nervosa so you can get things like osteoporosis and get quite brittle skin and hair delayed wound healing and you can also get hormonal changes it's not uncommon for women to also lose their periods did you experience any of these things yeah heaps of my hair fell out like as in my head hair like I used to have really thick hair and even now like never come back the same like I lost heaps and heaps of hair and I grew heaps of hair on my face and back like body hair and I haven't had my period for a very long time so I don't know if it had like it was hard to tell if it was because of the eating or if it was because of something else um, but probably the worst thing that happened was um, when I was in hospital I had a seizure a full tonic clonic seizure and I was lucky to be in hospital when it happened but they reckon that that was to do with being like such a low weight that it messed with my brain did all the scans and nothing came back everything was normal that must have been pretty confronting yeah it was awful and then all the scans came back fine when I was in hospital and like I said that was in 2014 and then I've been out of hospital for quite a long time and in 2017 I was in Europe and I had two seizures while I was in Europe Mm -hmm. and I like do wonder that would I have had those seizures if I hadn't been super unwell if it was all related like I came back and they I've got abnormal brain waves but I also am aware that people can have abnormal brain waves and not ever have a seizure in their life I'd like to know a little bit more about what your treatment looked like. We spoke about your hospital admissions, but we haven't specifically spoken about in any interventions that took place, like any psychotherapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy, any tools around eating habits. Um, as well as any medications and the use of NGT, so nasogastric feeding tubes. I never had nasogastric. When I was in hospital, I was seeing just like a ward psychologist. And then I got in contact with a psychiatrist who used to run that ward and he specializes in eating disorders. I was still seeing him once a week until February this year. So he played a massive part in my recovery. Um, He used to run the ward that I was in and the program that I was on in the public hospital. And as for medication, I was taking uh, antidepressant but I was on 60 milligrams a day and yeah I haven't been on it since 2019 and I don't know if it was a side effect from the medication or if I was just getting really bad anxiety in my sleep but I would have chronic night sweats to the point where I'd have to be sleeping on towels and wake up in the night and change pajamas and it wouldn't be matter how many sheets or what much I slept on or anything um so I was also on sleeping medication for a bit. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the psychotherapy side of things so what kind of things you spoke about with your psychologist and psychiatrist so in the hospital it was really good there was um cbt mm-hmm. and stuff like it, like it was kind of group therapy so everyone on the eating disorder program would go and do there was arts program and writing and you'd have you had to do it, it was compulsory while you're in there um and the cbt was kind of more just bringing your awareness to yourself and things like laying on a piece of paper and tracing around your body or getting a friend to trace around your body and then you looking at it and you know trying to see that what you actually see isn't a reality of what's real kind of thing and then talking about my past and my history and we made a mind map of my life and things that have happened that would have contributed to the way that I feel or the way that I was feeling and why I didn't want to eat 
doing those programs even like the one I mentioned like obviously seeing yourself how you seeing an outline of yourself the reality you know the way that you think is completely different to that you mentioned before um the things that have happened in your life that might have contributed to your you developing the illness in the course of your illness can you share with me whether you have a family history of any mental health issues it's never really been spoken about but my dad and mum both definitely have depression and I can like see that now that I'm an adult they never really said anything to me or asked any questions to me when I was growing up and my brother has struggled for a long time younger brother so he's only one year younger than me and he's struggled for a very long time with depression can you tell me how your diagnosis your anorexia and and your depression as well how they've contributed on your life overall I feel like I missed out on so many things because I started to get pretty bad when I was like like in early high school and then I would from like 16 to like 20 I wouldn't go out with friends and that's like your prime time teenage years you meant to go out and party and you know do fun things and I remember when I turned 18 like I was so so lonely and I didn't have a single drink the whole year of being 18 I never went to town like I never went out with friends I never did anything and that's like the year that you're you know legally allowed to go and do all the fun stuff and then I was really conscientious at school and I always wanted to be a doctor or a dietitian or you know something something in the medical field and I tried so hard at school and I don't know if it's still called NATAR if it's called NATAR in Queensland mm-hmm. but like you know it's a score out of 100 that you get and I got 99.5 and I got into nutrition and dietetics and then the week that I was meant to start I was admitted to hospital so mm-hmm. like I I would have been a dietitian if I hadn't had anorexia and now like I haven't even been to uni yet because I you know mum planned my funeral because I was at such a low weight the doctors literally told my mum that I wasn't going to be here so like I have spent like the years between 19 and now 25 the last six years I've just spent you know making the most of it because every every second that I'm here is a second that I wasn't expecting to be here you've technically been in remission for some years now looking back at when you were your most unwell and then coming out of that illness can you tell me what you think was the driving force definitely my family like I just like I definitely wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them and thinking about what they would do if they'd lost me and knowing how much they cared about me even though like I definitely didn't want to be here and I definitely didn't want to get better like they're the only reason that I'm here Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. No worries, thank you.